Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and its select theaters. Rated R. So welcome to Crime Shots. She's Bree. And that guy is Joe Ziff. Joe. I'm going to leave the Ziff in there. <laughs> Don't do that. I'll just... Do something crazy with the with the intro. Yeah. Why don't you do something crazy with the internet? Why don't you edit it? You don't have to work until Wednesday. Oh, you know. All right, so we're going back. We're going back to June 13th, 1980. Do you realize what today is? And interesting. <laughs> That's crazy. What happened there? So how many wow. years ago today? So so we're going back 42 years. Today. 42 years. Today. Yeah. Right? 1980. That's crazy. Exactly 42 years, and we decided to finally record. That's. I think this was just a, it's a meant fate? to be type of thing. Okay, you can say fate. It's yeah. <laughs> no, no, I like meant to be. I'm gonna go oh. with meant to be. All right. Fate sounds a little too cliche. I don't want everybody to get all cliche on me. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so June 13th, 1980. We're talking about Dallas. This is just outside of Dallas. At 410 Dogwood Street. And I got to look this up now. I I had this in my head and I didn't think I needed to write it down because I figured I could remember this because I was literally literally staying in the camper right down the road from this town. Is it Wiley? It is Wiley. Wiley. Yeah. Yeah. So it's in Wiley, right? Texas, not technically yeah, Dallas. Yeah, it's in it's in Wiley. It's right outside of Dallas. It's like it's it's a suburb of Dallas, right? Okay. So I was actually staying in the camper in Saxe, which is between Dallas and Wiley. And I didn't get a chance to go over there and look at the house. That would have been kind of cool, but... I'm looking at it right now. Things didn't work out. Okay. So, so June 13th, 1980, Alan Gore was away from home on a business trip. So he had flown out of town and he called his wife, Betty, who was home at the house at 410 Dogwood Street in Wiley, Texas. But she never answered the phone, right? So he called, she didn't answer. And this was not, you know, this wasn't back in the day of, you know, cell phones. This was, they had a home line. They had a, they had a landline and it's, you know how it is. I mean, I don't know. You knew how, how it was. I don't know if everybody else does, but Right, back then, when somebody called the landline, somebody answered the phone. Right. I mean, you you knew it. It wasn't, your phone wasn't on silent. You didn't sleep through it. I mean, it was, you know. You could so, definitely, um, you could, you could screen calls. That's, we did that all the time. And let the you could screen calls, but, right. But what I'm, I mean, it just, it wasn't normal to, to just miss phone calls. It's. Not like it is now. Like now it's like, oh, you know, you've got caller ID and everything else. It's a little bit different ballgame now. Back then it was the phone rang, you picked it up. It didn't yeah. really matter who it was. But anyway, so they had had a, they had a small baby. What was the baby's name? I guess it doesn't really matter. The baby's name? Yeah. Okay. So they had a, they had a small baby, right? So... I want to say she was under a year old. And then she was also pregnant with another child. So he was calling to check up on her and it was, you know, she it's not like she's going to be going anywhere. I mean, it's she's 
you know, if you're not, if you don't answer the phone a couple times in a row, that's weird. At that point in time, with a small baby and you're pregnant, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's something's not right. As the time passed, he called, he called, everything went unanswered. And so finally he called his neighbor, Richard Parker. And Richard Parker went over there. And I think when he first, so he, he first showed up, he looked around the house real quick and he was like, oh yeah, the car's missing. You know, she's, she's just not there. She went out. She'll be back. I'm sure, you know, it's no big deal. Well, then time passed again and, and. Alan was like, man, can you go back and check and make sure? Cause maybe the car's in the garage. Like it's, you know, let's make sure because if she is there, something's wrong. And so Richard went back and he found the car. So the car was actually in the garage. He missed it. And then everybody started to get worried. So apparently Richard went around and gathered a couple more neighbors. So, he grabbed this guy, Lester, Jerry, Jerry McMahon, and Lester, was it Gaylor? If you're asking me how to pronounce something. No, it's, I, I wrote, I wrote G-A-Y-K-E-R, and that doesn't sound right. Gaker? And I'm wondering if I didn't screw up and, and fat finger the name. That's what sucks about this, is there's so many. Well, who is this? This is just a neighbor. The One neighbor. of the other neighbors. Oh, yeah. So there were three neighbors, three guys that uh, that ended up going over there. Lester Gaylor. That is what it was. It was Gaylor, not Gaker. Gaylor. So Lester Gaylor. So you got Richard Parker, who is the one that, Al, that uh, Alan originally called. And then he went and got Lester Gaylor and Jerry McMahon to go back over and check on, on Betty. So when they got to the house, they, they went all around the house checking for like unlocked windows and any way to get in the house before they realized, oh, the front door's unlocked. I guess they just assumed that the front door would have been locked. Like, why would you leave your front door unlocked? But they finally get to the front door and they start banging on the door. Nobody's answering. So they go into the door and the quote from one of the three, and I don't remember which one, was that he saw thick, congealed, reddish-brown oceans of blood glistening on the floor. Ooh. Yeah. That's descriptive. So that was literally all they needed to see, and they took off out the door, called the cops, and were losing their minds. You know... So when police arrived... I would probably do the same thing. Like, I would just... Like, right. I don't need to look you any further. I just yeah. need to call somebody for help. But at the same yeah. time, with my luck, it would be something stupid, like, you know, <laughs> she spilled the jello all over the. I don't it's know. It's just five gallons of <laughs> strawberry jam. Okay. Yeah. Let's all calm it would down. Be, it guys. would be something so silly. Well, I'd rather it be five gallons of strawberry jam and I don't have to see something that I didn't want to see. Right. Than the other way around. Right. So. Uh, so yeah, so when the cops showed up, the house was a absolute bloody mess and they found Betty Gore laying in a massive pool of blood in the laundry room. And yeah. So at first they thought she had been shot. Like that was the assumption. Like it was just so, I mean, so bloody, so much blood, so much just absolute gore. That they just assumed, okay, she's been shot, she's dead, you know, let's get everybody over here. Yeah. Well, as the investigation goes on, they realize that she had been assaulted with an axe, and she was hit 41 times. Wow. So, head, head, torso, and arms. 41 freaking times. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, they found her body in the laundry room, right? Yeah. The laundry room was 12 feet by 6 feet. So it's not a big room to yeah. be swinging a, a big-ass axe, which, by the way, they found the axe. The axe was underneath, uh, I want to say it was underneath the dryer. It was underneath the freezer. Oh, it was wow. halfway underneath the freezer, just completely covered in blood and hair and everything else you'd imagine would be on a uh, on an axe that just got done chopping somebody up. 
So let's let's put this in perspective. Twelve foot by six foot laundry room yeah. with a washer, a dryer, and a freezer against one wall. So if so this thing's twelve, so 12 feet long, twelve foot by six foot. How tall are you? Six foot four. So if you laid down one way, <laughs> that's how wide this room is. You wouldn't even be able to lay out completely straight. Right. Exactly. And then keep in mind now there's a washer, dryer, and a freezer up against a wall, up against one wall. Yeah. So this is like a this is like a closet. I mean you're you're walking straight through this thing with maybe three feet of room. So I don't know how you can go about this. I mean obviously it happened, but it's just crazy to think in a room that small you're swinging an axe around. A three-foot-long yeah. axe. That's insane. So, and then in one of the corners, there was a brand-new wagon and a little child's training potty. So oh this room God. was this room was pretty well full. Okay. All right. So here's a quote from Texas Monthly, and this is, I mean, wow. Wow, gruesome. It said, her lips were parted, showing her front teeth. The mouth was fashioned into a half-grin. What? Her hair radiated in all directions, a tangled, soaked mass of glistening black. Betty's left eye was wide open, staring down at the gaping black craters in her arm. As to her right eye, she appeared to not have one. The entire right half of her face seemed to be gone. Oh my god. Oh. So somebody... <laughs> yeah. And I know this is probably not... Uh the best thing to focus on but somebody literally had to stand there and look at all of this and write it down oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah not just somebody i'm sure there were plenty of them i'm sure there were quite a few people that ended up having to oh see this and document every bit of it yeah so after everything was Taken care of, everything was documented. They obviously, the police went straight to Alan, right? Because how many times do you see it, right? Where the husband, quote, goes out of town. Oh my God, the wife got killed. But right. he was out of town. That's his alibi, right? Well, was I mean, he? it's not a stretch. Well, that's the thing. It's not a stretch to think, oh, maybe he was, you know what I mean? Maybe he wasn't out of town. Yeah. So the first thing I mean, for them, that they're going to do is try to prove whether or not he was actually gone. Right, because there's actually that, you know, this was back in the 80s. They didn't have that all the technology they have now. Right. So the time of death type of thing is not necessarily 100% correct. Right. So who's to say, because he left that morning, right? Who's to say he didn't kill her that morning and then fly oh. out and then call, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's totally possible. That would totally work, too. I mean... It might work. I don't know. I don't. I don't think it'd work now. I don't, oh no, not now. I, a murderer's got their work cut out for him now. I think you're pretty much screwed unless it's just some random. I mean, just absolute randomness. Yeah. But anyway. But I mean, they they've got it to where now it's not it's not a five hour window of time of death. They're like right, exactly. This person had to have died at three o two p.m. Yeah, this bacteria has right. separated. Three times, and that only happens every hour. Therefore, exactly. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. it's pretty ridiculous. There are now, but... three semens, and they come back positive for this person. <laughs> right, and their tails are still flipping. They're still swimming. <laughs> yeah, they're still swimming. It's over with. Exactly. Okay, so obviously, police went straight to Allen, make him the prime prime suspect, and they they just start going after him, just questioning, 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 questioning. And that's, yeah, and that was that was kind of what they said. So there was still that, the the time of death, the the coroner's time of death, I want to say, gave like a three-hour window. So it definitely was a possibility that he could have done it. But as they questioned him more and more, he continued to just deny any involvement in the murder. It was even kind of another telling thing was while they were interviewing him, he was under the impression she had been shot, like, oh. the whole time. Because that was what the first impression was with the cops. And I guess the, the neighbor had heard that. 
And so he heard that from the neighbor. So he was still under the impression that she had just been shot. So, so it was not the until later on. husband is going off of 100% hearsay. Right. Well, he, he, he had no idea. And that was, he didn't find out until later that she had died from an axe. Oh, wow. So eventually after just nonstop questioning from the police, Alan finally admitted that he had been having an affair with a woman from his church <gasps> named Candy uh, Well, this automatically makes him seem guilty. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> that doesn't... I don't... When there are affairs involved, you're guilty. It's just funny to me that that even comes out, because it's like, to me, that's the... That's the, the absolute last thing you want to admit. You know, if you're trying to prove that you're innocent... Yeah. The last thing you want to do is go, oh, well, by the way, I was having an affair. I mean, that's well, uh, did he, that's classic. Did he maybe like, well, if I don't admit this. I mean, maybe. And they find out. Maybe it'll come out. Yeah, right. Maybe. But I'm so, OK, so I'm not going to get too deep into the weeds on the on the whole affair thing, because there is. If you want to hear it, go to go go read Texas Monthly because they have an entire article on the affair, and it's just on just the it's, affair. It's just unbelievable how crazy they were. I mean, it was. I first of all, keep in mind these are both both of these people met in church, right? Okay. And they did this thing by the book, like it was. What she what you, what she asked him if he. Well, I, I'm trying to explain real quick. All I'm gonna say is it was it was she asked him if he wanted to have an affair and then they they wrote down rules <laughs> like it was there was a full it was almost a contract on how this was gonna go down so that nobody developed feelings and if anybody did they'd cut it off and you know it just it was pretty ridiculous how far they went with it and then it just kind of turned into I don't know. So what was the what was Almost the purpose of marriage. the affair? She was just not happy. She was trying to find something else. So the affair was was instigated by this girl. Right, by her. Okay. Yeah, so Candy had seen Alan and just started fantasizing about that and then one day she just walked up and said, "Hey, do you want to have an affair?" and he laughed and said, "Uh, no," like thought she was kidding. Yeah. And then he ends up calling her later and he's like, well, maybe let's talk about this. So they go to lunch and they literally write down a, a rule book. Wow. So, yeah. Let me see what this guy looks like. Is he, <laughs> is he worth, uh, you know, like, is that somebody that you're really going to fantasize about? You know what I mean? Well, Alan Gore. Oh, what? What? That's what she was fantasizing about? I mean, this was the 80s. I don't know that... Uh... Oh, yeah. Is that him right there? The son? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's not a real winner, is he? No, that's not him. What? That's not him. What's not him? And that, I'm the looking son? At the, the U.S. son? Yeah, the U.S. son? That's not that's him. him. Who is that? That's her husband. Oh, is it? Yeah, let me show you him. There you go. Oh, Lord. Right? Wow. So. No, who is this other guy? That's Robert Yudishin. Is that a lawyer? I guess no. so. Well, that's not her lawyer. Maybe not. I don't know, but uh, I will tell you this. Pat Montgomery was her husband. I, well, yeah, okay, so, wow, good lord, <laughs> yeah, that is funny though, what, what, where do you, where does a fantasy come from there, <laughs> Jesus, like you said that in that <sighs> one episode, well, if he's something, if he's a fantasy, yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> then if he's some winning, of these other guys are doing pretty good, yeah, I'm trying to find it, uh, her husband, though. Oh, uh, let me see. I got it. Ready? 
Yeah. This is him. And her. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, what the... It's... I mean, I don't... He's I don't better looking either. than the other dude. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Some people. All right, so... So, like I said, I'm not going to get into the crazy weeds of the, of the affair, so we'll just kind of skim over it. So, they said that at first, basically, coming from, coming from Candy, what she was saying was that at first the affair, the affair was pretty good, but she said she was shocked at how, quote, inexperienced Alan seemed to be in the bedroom. So, she was expecting this, you know... I'm sorry. Kick I know ass, kick-ass first laugh. time. <laughs> and it turns out he's kind of a, you know, he's not the greatest, right? Like, the dude's just... The 80s. You know. Yeah. Uh, so, the first encounter was at the Continental Inn, and it was a, it was a higher-end hotel in Richardson, Texas. So, again, Sounds right outside of Dallas. The Continental. The Continental Man. Inn. And then... <laughs> After the first time, they realized that, okay, this is this is going to be a little too expensive, so we're going to have to downsize. So, Alan decided to continue it at the Como Motel, which was across the highway. The Como. <laughs> so, they went from, they went from pretty sweet to, <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, it's a fantasy you know. to, like, this is a little expensive. Right. Yeah, at first it was like, well, this is cool. And now, not only was it not that great, right? I mean... <laughs> I don't know. There's so much work so, that went into this. Not so great. So it was not so great, but she uh, mm-hmm. she did it more than once. Oh, absolutely. They well, they had already. Hotels. You don't understand. They had a they had a list of pros and cons to having an affair. Are you following me here? Yeah. So they had this list, and they're going through this list. And trying to figure out whether it's going to be worth it or not. Before it ever happened. Before anything ever happened. Like these people put so much thought into this thing. I mean I guess they were so invested by then. It was like you're almost married. Yeah. I feel like this this almost had to feel like a second marriage. Yeah. And I mean. Like they made a full on commitment. Yeah. I mean they might as well have got rings. I don't know. Made Made up vows and everything. Yeah. But no feelings. No feelings. That's none. That's a problem. Yep. Okay. So so after a while, right, the the affair just kind of lacked what Candy was looking for. It was not what she was wanting out of it. Uh, they met weekly at that local, at the, the Como Motel. Weekly. When? Yeah, I want to say. That sounds ah, terrible. I don't remember. I want to say it was like Wednesdays or something. <laughs> and they, I mean, this was, I'm telling you, this whole thing was mapped out like you wouldn't believe. I almost feel like maybe I should have gone back and just told the whole story about all this, but it was just, it's just so stupid. I feel like they put so much into that. It's just, yeah, okay. So they, so they met weekly at the local hotel, right? Yeah. Sex wasn't that great. And then but they would. <laughs> they're going to keep doing it weekly. Yeah, well, not only was it not that great, she called it subpar. Like that was her, that was her, that was how she explained it. And it just basically turned into another thing she had to do. So like I'm saying, this was like literally a second marriage. I mean, it's, I don't know. I just don't, ugh. I mean, but it, but it was to the point where they would, so they would meet up, they would, they would have sex. She would cook. They would, you know, kind of eat or whatever. Yeah, it was like, a. am telling you, it was like another life. It was like a second life. It's so stupid. Like I, That nobody I knew know. about. It's so weird. Yeah, that nobody knew about. Or at least they thought nobody knew about. But they both admit to it. Yeah. Because at this point... Well, they did after. It took said... a while. It took a while for that. Yeah, Alan was the one that finally admitted that. To and, the police. Right. And then they brought Candy in and started interviewing her about it. And that's kind of where the whole story developed. And so she's telling her side of it. Yep. Well, it was an affair, but it wasn't a good one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, so eventually they would end, they ended the affair. And it was, I guess, basically, so 
I'll, I'll just go straight to this. So basically when the police first questioned Candy, she said that she had absolutely no knowledge of what happened with Betty and that she said that even though her and Alan had had an affair, that the affair had ended by mutual agreement, right? Like they had decided mutually that, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, though, there's also kind of some of that in there where Alan had said that Candy had almost been unhappy that it ended. Oh. But there was, it, it was like she felt like he kind of, sprung it on her okay when it ended i can't remember i think it was alan's idea to end it <clears throat> and at first betty kind of went along with it but betty, it you're, you mean being, candy i'm sorry candy but it ended up being you know she felt like she was being overlooked for betty because that was what alan was saying was that he kind of felt bad and he didn't you know with the new baby coming and everything, he didn't oh. think they should continue it. Anyway, they both, or at least, they both said that it ended by mutual agreement. So you can kind of take that with whatever grain of salt you'd like. As the questioning continued with, uh, with Candy, she told the police that she had been at Betty and Alan's house that day because her daughter and... Betty's daughter, uh, Elisa, were friends, and Elisa had spent the night at Candy's house the night before, and then she needed an extra set of clothes for swimming practice uh, after they finished the school puppet show that day. So Candy had left before the puppet show to go get the extra set of clothes, and then she was supposed to come back, watch the puppet show, and then uh, they were going to go watch star wars after that oh so um she said after she left betty's house she went to target to get a father's day card for pat her husband uh and that her watch had stopped working so she realized that she was late to pick up the girls from the puppet show and didn't even go in to get the father's day card so the story from her is she left betty's house to go to target and she told the cops that. She went to go get a Father's Day card. And then to make up for the fact that she didn't get a card from Target, she said that, oh, her watch had stopped. And so when she realized she was late, she had to turn around and go straight back to the puppet show. Yeah. To me, it sounds like she's making up time, right? She's trying to figure out how to use time up as much as possible. Yeah. To say that, oh, well, I wasn't really at Betty's house for as long as you know I needed to be for this whole thing to go down. So as the police continued the investigation at Betty and Allen's house, they noticed that there are actually small footsteps in blood going from the laundry room to the bathroom. And when small they say footsteps. small, they're talking about either a woman or a child, like oh, somewhere in that range. Child? This was not a man's. This was not. This was not a man's set of footprints. So we're thinking. That if Alan is involved, there's right. someone else. Right. As well. Right. Got it. Uh, and then it looks like somebody. So it, so keep in mind. So the footsteps go from the laundry room to the bathroom. And then it looks like somebody took a bath. And there was blood and long hair in the shower and in the shower drain. So... Small footsteps, leaving the laundry room, go into the shower, rinse off at a minimum, and leave blood and hair in the shower. I so see, that's whoever... something that they would 100% be able to identify now. Oh, yeah. Like, if you try oh, to yeah. clean up at a crime scene, you're done. Yeah. I mean, that's... With DNA now, there would have right. been no question. Oh, so... Okay, so at this point, after seeing the footsteps, after seeing the shower... This is and this is a couple weeks after the murder, after Allen's admitted that he had an affair, after they've done the interviews. Police basically turn their attention directly to Candy Montgomery and don't look back, right? What? That's what that's, happened to as far as Allen. As far as they're concerned, he couldn't have been involved because where's his footsteps? Where's his bloody footsteps? 
Where's his handprints? Where's anything? There's nothing, nothing that links him to this. It is all, it has to be a, a smaller person. Yeah, but. Couldn't have been Alan. Were they able to confirm whether or not he was actually out of town? Uh, I don't know. I, I would assume they probably, I mean, we knew he was, we know he was out of town. He had to be out of town. The question was, was he out of town at the time of the murder? Yeah. Right? I I don't know, but they, they were convinced. That he didn't have anything to do with it? No. It was oh, not dear. a question for them anymore. Oh, wow. So for them, it was no longer a question of who, but how and why, right? Because this makes no sense. I mean, at any point in time, let alone at this point in time, when you're talking about a small town, church going wife, mother, right? Mm-hmm. Just a, a small person wielding an axe. Yeah. It just none of this, none of this jives. Like none of this makes any sense. Yeah. So, so the, the why and the how and the, the, the WTF are strong. Yeah. Right. Um, so, Basically, the cops come in, interview Candy again, and just show her the evidence. They're like, look, we got footprints, little footprints that I I guess they had already... I don't know. They never said anything about matching footprints or anything like as far as shoe prints or anything like that. But I would assume they had to have had it. I don't... They didn't say anything about that? No, there wasn't really anything in there that, that I could find. When like... it comes to... When it comes to this story, you've got Texas Monthly doing this fully over, which I love Texas Monthly, don't get me wrong, but oh, my God, they dramatize everything. Oh, yeah. Right? And so they go for the most dramatic angle. They're not yeah. necessarily going to give you the best information. Yeah. And then everybody else is just like a quick cruise over, and it's mainly just on, you know, the what, the what happened, not necessarily how they figured it out, because it's that got cruised over because... As you'll see in a second, uh, there's no reason to doubt where they're going. You know what I mean? Yeah. So basically, they come at her and say, look, we found... So they didn't say, like, oh, this matches a a flip-flop that you always wear that we found in your trash can in the garage? No, but Hmm. she had... So Candy had a cut on her toe. Oh, dear. And that was one of the things was it was like, well, where'd you get that? And she said, oh, well, I cut it on the door at home, you know, the screen door. I kept telling Pat to fix it, blah, blah, you know, and that was that was her little story that could never be corroborated. It never really made any sense. And then that mixed with the fact that you're talking about small footprints. You're talking about somebody that took a shower. You're talking about long hairs in the drain. Long hair? Did you hear the dogs? Yeah. Whose dog is that? That's uh, those are my dogs now. What? No, I've got dogs. Yeah. What? Mhm. Why do you have dogs? Uh, it's because the the house that I'm staying in has dogs. Oh. And it's California, so you can leave the door wide open because it's fucking sixty-seven degrees outside. Nice. It's noise. It's not so, like that here. Nah. It's actually eleven o'clock at night, and it's eighty-four degrees outside. Mm. Yeah, not here. Okay, okay so so back to it, right? So so they got the the small footprints. They've got the long hairs in the shower. Long hair. They've got her cut. Her they said cut long on hair. Her toe. Long hairs. They said long, long hairs. I want to say it was long black hairs in the shower drain. Mm. Okay. Oh, it wasn't black hairs. Just long hairs. Whatever. It. it the point being, this was obviously a woman that did it. The last person to see Betty alive, admittedly, was Candy, right? So what's she not saying? What's she not telling? So anyway, well, so after... She couldn't have been uh, the last person that saw her alive because, remember, she went to the Target and then her watch stopped. And right, then right, So she couldn't right. go into the Target and then she had to make it back for the puppet show. Because that makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. So anyway... They get in a room, they start interviewing her again, and basically just lay it all out. And she falls apart and says, okay, I did it. Oh, so, okay. Well, that was easy enough. Yeah. 
So she just admits it. She's like, well, yeah, okay, I did. But she tells him that it was self-defense. Of course. She says it was self-defense? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but if somebody's coming at me, I'm going to hit them at least 41 times with an axe. Of course. If not 42. Any less than that would be be suspicious. Yeah, that'd be weird. You'd almost feel like you weren't in fear for your life. Right. I mean, 39? Nah. Yeah. That's how nah, I feel about You were mad, bro. Right. That's how 41, I feel about though? <clears throat> Lizzie Borden. Yeah. The self-defense huh? as well? I don't no, know. You don't know about that, do you? I probably do, but I don't You're recognize that You're such a weird name. person. Am I a weird person? Lizzie Borden, Lizzie Borden killed her parents. Allegedly. Years ago. Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. <laughs> You're such a weirdo. You're a weird person. How? I can't believe I never, I'm texting I've never heard of that. <laughs> I mean, I believe you. Don't get me wrong. I can't believe you've never heard the story of Lizzie Borden. I mean... I'm telling everyone I know. Okay, so... All right, so back to it. Uh, yeah, so self-defense, right? No big deal. Obviously, it was self-defense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure. For yeah. sure, for sure. It was, it was actually, this was an axe battle. Oh. This was like a duel, but with axes. Yeah. Yeah, just they just, they can't find the other axe because Candy took hers home and cleaned it and put it back where it goes in her box for the next axe battle she was going to be involved in later. Right. If... If ever, you know? Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. Makes total sense. It happens. Yeah, it happens. Immediately, police arrest Candy Montgomery, charge her with the murder, and she was held on a $100,000 bond. So she posted bail. Yeah, she posted bail shortly after. Of course. I mean, this is just one of those things, though, where it's like, you're talking about small town, everybody knows everybody, right? Yeah. You're talking about a couple respected people, families that, you know, go to the same church that everybody else goes to. I mean, it's just so unreal that I don't, I mean, how would you handle that? You know, it's just, I don't know, it's crazy. I definitely would uh, (laughs) jack up the bond for sure. Yeah. I would jack it to high heaven at least until they figure <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, but I mean, like, are you really worried she's going to be a, a flight risk? That's beside the know. point. If she killed somebody, who's to say she's not going to. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I guess she if could she be. If she self defended herself, who's to say she's not going to self defend yeah. herself again? Yeah, self defend somebody it's else. It's not about her times. running away, it's about her posing a danger to society. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so anyway. So the, the, the cut, right? So after she was arrested and formally charged, she put in a plea of self-defense, and then she showed that cut again to the cops and was like, this is proof that it was self-defense. And she was saying that Betty swung the axe first, and that's that's what cut her toe. Mm. And then she got the axe, then hacked her to pieces. So why? They're just. I have questions. Yeah, go ahead. Assuming she's telling God's honest truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say that that did happen. Betty came at her with an axe, rightfully so. She was sleeping with her husband, <laughs> and she manages to get the axe away from her after one little little nick on her toe mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's heavy you know that 40 something chops later she's like okay i'm done now i'm tired i'm gonna take a shower um and then mm-hmm. i'm not gonna tell anybody that i self-defended myself 40 plus right. times with an axe well now so so let's just to be fair Okay. She did say that. So so she came to get clothes for Elisa, right? Mm-hmm. 
she said she was talking to Betty. They were just kind of having normal conversation. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Betty said, are you sleeping with my husband? So she confronted her about that. Candy admitted it, I think, but she said that it wasn't, it wasn't happening anymore. It was over, yada, yada, yada. Betty went into the, to the laundry room to go get the clothes for Elisa. And when she came out, she was holding the axe, right? Oh. So this is the, (laughs) Candy says she swung the axe at her. Betty swung the axe at Candy one time, missed. They wrestled for a minute with the axe. Betty grabbed it, and when she grabbed it, she hit Candy. I'm sorry, I'm backwards. Candy grabbed it. When she got it away from Betty, she hit Betty in the back of the head with it. Mm. So, even in the in, in the Texas, beginning, that's not allowed. Yeah, uh, you can hit I mean, them or sh- um, shoot them if they're coming at you, but not if they're running away. Well, it just shows it shows what's really going on in the situation. Why would Betty be facing away from her if she was attacking, right? You're not going to be facing away from somebody. You're not going to attack them back first. just doesn't happen. So let me ask you this. This whole story, though, or this whole take on events um, is one-sided, no? Yes. So this is Candy's version. This is of Candy's events. version of what went down. Because that's all they have. We can't ask Betty. Yeah. So anyway, but so so what she was saying was that every time she hit Betty, Betty refused to stop. Like Betty went down, she would get back up, she would come at her, and then Candy would hit her again, and she would go down, and then she'd get back up and she'd come at her, and it was like this whole thing, like you would see in a some kind of haunted movie, you know? Yeah, like just a the way she like a Hulu TV show. Yeah, like a Hulu TV show. <laughs> yeah, the way she played it out was just like it was a little extreme. I mean, it, I don't know. I've never been hit with an axe, not full force right. on my back of my head or anywhere else. But yeah. I think the last thing you're going to be doing is trying to come at the person after that. Unless you're just completely psychotic. And there's nothing that tells us that Betty was anything near psychotic. So she, so she, so she, are you saying that Candy's testifying in court? Um, that this is what happened yeah. or is this just what she told This the is kind of both. This is kind okay. of both. I'm just okay. kind of going through the whole thing. Like this. So her story kind of sticks. Yes, that was one thing, was they said her story never changed. Her story never changed the entire time. Not even a little bit? Not even a little bit. Wow. She had that bad boy nailed down. Yeah, maybe it's true. Yeah. And keep in mind, too, Betty was larger and physically stronger than Candy. What? So that's another... Really? Yeah, that's another weird part about this. Mm. That... To me, I, her getting a hold of the axe and wrestling it away from Betty, it just seems... Oh, wait, but didn't she say she was pregnant? Mm-hmm. Betty? Yes. So she's pregnant during all this? Yes. <gasps> oh, dang. So that's like double yes. homicide. Uh, it would have been, yeah. Why, why was it not? Yeah, anyway, so she basically, she told the cops and she told the court... That she felt like she had to kill Betty to make her stop. Wow. Like, that was her story. That she knew that Betty was not going to stop coming at her and that she had to kill her. Okay, so Don Crowder uh, went to the same church as Betty and he was a prominent civil lawyer in the same area, in that Wiley area, right? Yeah. He had never messed with a criminal trial at all. But when this happened, this was, he was the only lawyer she knew, right? So she called him and asked if he would represent her. So he said, okay. Um, And he called a hypnotherapist, Dr. Fred Fasson. Fasson. 
I feel like there was a period of time where that was like everybody's go-to. Let's hypnotize yeah. you and see what you say. Yeah, I mean, when you're in a when you're in a situation like this, I think where you've got to prove the unbelievable, yeah. you might as well pull out all the stops. Right. right? At mean, one point in time, <laughs> a lot of the baloney was admissible. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. It, if if they'll listen to it, why not say it and let's just see what happens, right? Right. For sure. So, <clears throat> Doctor Fasson, I'm a Fasson, 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 Fasson. It's Fasison. No, it's not. There's no Fasice in there. I was, I was just joking. Yeah, I know. F-A-S-O-N, Fasson. I'm just going to say Fasson. F-A-S-O-N? Like yeah. I'm going to say Fasson. Fasson. Dr. Fasson. You know, like I Mason? Like I can dig it. Yeah, Fasson. All, All right. right. I'll buy that. All right. I'll buy that for $1.25. Ooh. Okay, so... He spent, so Dr. Faison spent countless hours with Candy and hypnotized her and had her retell the story over and over again. And this was part of that deal where he, he testified that she told the exact same story every single time while hypnotized. So the cops said she never changed her story. And Dr. Faison said... She never changed her story. <laughs> um, so Dr. Faison went on to tell the jury that after the sessions with Candy, retelling the story of the day of the murder, he brought her back in time to her childhood, right? Mm -hmm. uh, she told a story where she had gotten cut. And I heard I, something happened. She was, uh, I want to say she lost a foot race with a friend, with some kid from school. And she was not happy about it. So she threw a glass, like at a tree, and it broke. And that's what cut her hand. Oh. That's deep. So this is just, I'm just going to quote it straight out of Texas Monthly and let it be, just let it stand on its own because it's just a crazy little part of the story. And I guess this part. There's no making this up, right? This is court documents, so. Yeah. Okay, so they said that Faison made her go deeper into the past, asking her to back, oh, asking her to back to, asking her to go back to the first time you ever got mad. He said, do you ever recall being that mad before? Do you recall it? She didn't say anything. When you were little, let's go back in time. Let's get in the time machine and go way, way back in time. Back when you were little. One, back in time. Two, back in time. Three, back in time. He said, how old are you, Candy? She said, four. He said, four. Tell me about it. What made you so mad? She said, I lost it. He said, what did you lose? And she said, the race. He said, you lost the race? And she said, yeah, to Johnny. She said, do you like Johnny? And he said, she said, he said, do you like Johnny? And she said, he beat me. Uh, he said, what did he say when he beat you? She didn't say anything. He said, how did you feel? She said, I'm mad. I'm furious. He said, what are you going to do? She said, I'll break it. He said, break what? And she said, the jar. He said, how did you break it? She said, I threw it against the pump. So I guess it was a little water pump that was sitting there. Yeah. He said, are you scared? Candy nodded. My, mo my mother took me to the hospital. He said, what did your mother say? And she said, shh. And Faison said, what? And she said, shh. And he, again, he said, what did she say? And she said, shh. Anyway, so this goes on and on. But basically what he ended up connecting in this whole thing was that Faison said that when the when her mother told her to be quiet or shushed her right apparently according to candy betty shushed candy at one point during this altercation oh god and Faison is saying that when Betty shushed Candy, it brought Candy back 
to this panic time when she was four years old and her mom shushed her. And that's where the whole trauma was brought back. And that's what caused her to basically go insane for a short period of time. Oh. Yeah. I mean, so, <laughs> I mean, you can, you can do with that what you want. But... He's a doctor, isn't he? Yeah, man. Doctor there you Faison. go. You can't, you can't. I love how you that. said that too. You're like, yeah, man. <laughs> We're all doctors here, man. Yeah, man. That's what I was half asking. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So, I. I don't even know where to go with that. Like, it's so far-fetched. But you have to remember, according to both the police officers and Dr. Faison, she literally never changed her story. Yeah. Never. Not once. So, uh, what do you do, right? Yeah. So, obviously, obviously the prosecutor's rebuttal to, hold this, to this whole debacle was that, obviously, if you're attacked by someone with an axe, who is longer, large, uh, longer, larger and stronger than you? Most people's reaction would be to run, right? Yeah. I mean, if you end up with the with the upper hand, you don't stand there and continue to chop someone up forty one times, and then just take a quick shower and then go about your day, right? At least not a normal sane person. Yeah. So, I mean, there's not common sense kind of did the work for the prosecutors as far as that goes. I mean, there's no, you don't have to get all crazy with it. It's, I don't know. That should be a pretty cut and dry scenario. Uh, so after both sides argue their case, the jury of nine women and three men go to deliberate and they deliberate for less than four hours Whoa. Yeah. So they, Jeez. I mean, they had their mind made up pretty quick, right? Even the the jury for Johnny Depp and Amber Heard took three days. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Something that dumb. No, they, I mean, no, but this to them murder, it was pretty clear. Obviously, it's got to go quicker. This is more serious. Yeah, Then, sure. you know, no whether or not asked. already rich people get richer. Yeah. Yeah, So the so the jury comes out four hours later. The judge says, uh, "What's the verdict?" Uh, let me let me read let me read this quote from one of the jurors though, because I thought it was pretty funny. Alice Doherty, right? She says, "We determined that it had no bearing on the case at all, whether it was a gunshot or a thousand wax." He said it like that, a thousand wax. She that is a direct quote from Alice Doherty. Who picked this? We jury? determined. We determined that it had no bearing on the case at all, whether it was a gunshot or a thousand wax. Not guilty. Acquitted, <gasps> free to walk out the courthouse and go about her day. Wow. Yeah. Just don't shush her. You know what I mean? Right. You don't, you don't want to shush her. Anybody yeah. else, you might shush. But her, you just let her She's keep not making the one. her noise. She's not the one nah. you want to shush. She's going to get her axe out. Oh, I wonder and... if they shushed OJ. Maybe. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't do it. Yeah, so, okay, so so after the trial, Candy was quoted saying that I just want to get all this behind me and just be normal again. Wow. Yeah. As long as she's not shushed, right? Right. Yeah, just don't shush her and everything will be fine. And the community uh, was just like okay with it. They were just like, okay, well, she uh, did there it. Was but... a, there was a huge uproar. But oh. There was really nothing. You, I mean, what do you do, right? This is, it's over. Yeah. I mean, was the community okay with OJ? Some would say yes. Some would say no. <laughs> I think a whole right? bunch of people were okay with OJ. A lot of OJ. people said yes. A lot of people said no. <laughs> they were like, not, not the football. Don't interfere with our football. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so Candy and her family, so Candy, Pat, and the kids ended up moving to Georgia. Georgia. And uh, Candy, Candy got certified as a family therapist. <gasps> yeah. Shut up. So, 
Yeah. Well, she's probably she, amazing uh, at it. Yeah. I mean, I figure if anybody knows how to deal with uh, strife and... Uh, she would know. Yeah. I bet she has like a... a I mean, what th- what better therapist can you think of than somebody that, that hacked somebody pieces with an axe? I mean, if somebody's been through the yeah. shit... Yeah. You know? You know those uh, those hand-stitched like things, you know, that people put on the walls and shit that say something clever? Mm-hmm. Hers probably says, don't shush your stuff. spouse. Don't yeah, shush don't your spouse. don't shush me. Yeah. Don't shush me, and it's got a big axe? Yeah, for That's sure. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. You can see that. With some flowers, maybe me. a butterfly. Yeah. For sure. Uh, so originally Pat stood by Candy throughout the whole thing, but really? four years after moving, yeah. So the affair didn't bother him at all. I guess not. Hmm. But four years after moving to Georgia, Pat and Candy got a divorce. Irreconcilable oh. differences. Yeah. After the divorce, <laughs> she dropped the married name Montgomery and went back to her maiden name Wheeler. So she went by Candace Wheeler. So she's still alive to this day. I was going to say, I know that name. Candace Wheeler. Yeah. Yeah. Just living her life. Wow. Living her best life. Living her damn life. You know who's not? Betty. Betty. Yeah. Betty's probably not. uh... You know why? Because of candy. Yeah. Well, it's because of an axe. That's because of candy. Well, it's really, I guess if you want to go off of the jury, it's it's because of Betty because she shushed somebody she shouldn't have shushed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, don't, don't shush that's the Betty. most ridiculous I mean, verdict that's oh, insane that's almost as I, bad as the as the UK coming up with Johnny Depp as a wife beater uh-huh. how absurd yeah. so another little fun factoid Don Crowder the lawyer yeah uh, he went on to become the president of the local school district of course he did uh, he was a member of the city council and then he, he ran was. for governor of Texas in 1986, but Ooh. lost. I was going to say, he didn't win that. Never heard of him because he, he didn't win that. Yeah. Uh, his ex-wife said that he received multiple death threats after the trial. His ex-wife? Uh, yes. So she opted out. <laughs> uh, yeah, at some point. Uh, she said that, uh, yeah, he received multiple death threats after the trial, but it never phased him. Uh, in 1996... He got a divorce, and in 1997, so this was, I guess it gets confusing, because he had multiple ex-wives. Oh. Um, yeah, so 1997, he got another divorce. I'm sorry, 96, he got another divorce. Mm-hmm. In 1997, his brother committed suicide. Oh, dear. And he never really got over that. <laughs> uh, also, in 1997, he remarried, but by that point, he was a terrible alcoholic, and he got a DWI in 1998, oh. which completely ended his eligibility to be a lawyer in Texas, <laughs> I was in this right? Way. Yeah. Yeah. So on October 25th, 1998, he tried to commit suicide and failed. Apparently, it made, it made local news when he tried to kill himself. And the McKinner, McKinner Courier Gazette quoted him saying that he thought the Candy Montgomery case was either, quote, the zenith of an extraordinarily successful career or the demise of what could have been. He also said that the Gores family's faces still haunt him to this day and that they didn't understand that he just had a job to do. Mm. I mean, so that's true. The... That That is true. Like, I hate it when it's, people yeah. criticize yeah. lawyers for representing the wrong person. But it's like... <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. And... That's the way the justice system works. Yeah. Yeah. I fully agree. Um, yeah, so on November 10th, 1998, he committed suicide. Oh, he died. Dang. He died committing suicide. So oh, this so time he didn't fail. He's successful. Yeah. That's he so made sad. It happen. Suicide's always sad anyway, though. Mm. It's terrible. Yeah. That is a crazy story, Joe. It's a little ridiculous. So I don't know if you know this. There's a little, there's a little short series on Hulu about it mm-hmm. that actually just came out. Mm-hmm. Have you watched it? Yeah, it beat it? me to it. No. No. 
I didn't want it to affect how this went out. One hundred percent, it would have affected it. Cause yeah, I didn't. Cause want I'll tell this you something. To be... Okay, tell like, me something. It affected my listening. Did it? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, tell me what I did wrong. No, no, so, you didn't tell do me, anything. Tell wrong. me what. Tell me what they did that I didn't. Well, you don't. You don't do that because I'm gonna watch it. And I'm no, sure yeah, everybody definitely watch it. Gonna watch here, it. here is what I'm thinking the whole time. I'm thinking, oh, they added extra shit in the show. You know what I mean? To make it seem yeah. like they had a sure thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um. And the whole time I'm thinking, oh, I can't wait for you to watch this so you can see how they <laughs> depict everything that you just read. Yeah.